This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. We also host the annual Wake Up Festival, a five-day experience of transformation, held in August of each year in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. You can also join our free direct access membership program and read transcripts of all of the Insights at the Edge podcasts and search our collection of podcasts with now more than 100 episodes available. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Robert Peng. Robert is an internationally renowned Qigong master, capable of generating healing energy through his hands with power equal to a potent electrical charge. He studied in China with a legendary Qigong master, Xiao Yao, and became proficient in both the martial arts and the healing arts. When he was 15 years old, his Qigong master had him do a 100-day water fast that opened up a world of bliss and transformed his life. He has used his extraordinary abilities to help countless people regain their optimum health and vitality and to demonstrate to the world the incredible spiritual potential that human beings possess. Robert currently lives in New York City and teaches Qigong and loves traveling, spreading the wisdom of Qigong, to people of all cultures and religions. With Sounds True, Robert Peng is a featured teacher at the 2013 Wake Up Festival, which will be held August 14th through the 18th in Estes Park, Colorado. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Robert and I spoke about what it might mean to breathe like an immortal. We talked about early experiences he had with his master, Xiao Yao, including some amazing miracle stories. We also talked about Qigong healing and how Robert transforms the qi during a Qigong healing session. Robert also offered us a short practice that we could do on the spot for nourishing the qi. Here's my conversation with Robert Pang. I feel so happy, even tickled, to be able to introduce listeners of Insights at the Edge to Robert Peng, someone whose work I've only become aware of recently. And my experience is that discovering his teachings was like finding a hidden jewel. And I'm so happy to get to share that jewel today with you. Robert, to begin with, to orient our listeners a little bit to your background, can you tell us about your upbringing in China and particularly how you met your Qigong master. Yeah, I started to practice my Qigong when I was eight years old. At that time, it was during the peak time of Cultural Revolution in China. You know, started from 1966 until 76. Well, for China, it's a disaster. It was a 10 years disaster because a lot of things are banned or destroyed if you know the history then. Uh, well, fortunately for me, uh, it's like a, a, a big 
opportunity for me to meet my master. Because if it is not because of that, I won't be able to meet him. Because when I was eight years old, I got a very severe sick sickness. And the doctor couldn't help. In the end, he said, well, you have to quit school and stay at home, rest. So I rested at home, you know, one day, two days, three days. Then I get very bored. Then I begin to sneak out of this home and wandered outside of my buildings. And not too far from my home is a resort hotel. We went there a lot, but when I was sick and alone, I went on even more. Yeah, I wandered around. It's a beautiful place. They have swimming pool, they have fruit trees. And then at the corner of that resort hotel, there is a bio room. And the bio room attendant was my first master. His name was Xiao Yao. And nobody knew he was like a top martial artist. And meanwhile, he's a legendary healer. Because of the uh, Cultural Revolution, uh, he was uh, driven out of his monastery. He was a senior monk far away from where my hometown was. Mm, so he found a, a very humble job, a low-paid job as a boiler room attendant. And literally, he lived in that boiler room. So when I visited him, I think he was very happy to see a little boy visited. So for me, it was to look at the fire because I like to watch the fire. Be huge footers of the fans. I can just watch the fire for two hours, no break. But afterwards, he said, "You can come again anytime." Well, maybe I didn't know that I did come again every day. In any anyway, we made friends afterwards, and. Uh, uh, and he did the treatment on me without telling me because I, I just forgot I have such a severe pain before and it disappeared. Then not too long later, when he said, you want to practice wushu? Wushu means martial art, you know, kung fu in Chinese. Yeah, of course, yeah. Nobody can teach me. I couldn't find a good teacher at that time because all the traditions were banned. And he said, well, I will teach you. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah, I just suspect all this. He said, well, you see, uh, there are two things you have to keep in mind. One is keep secret. Don't tell anybody. Because, you know, at that time, if they know that I was practicing on the ground with some people burning incense, which was not allowed in the Cultural Revolution, my whole family would get in trouble. Another, he said, you should keep discipline. You have to get up every day in the morning. Five o'clock, practice several hours a day. No problem. Yeah, so I just promised. I, I kept secret even from my parents for the first couple of months. And my mother, they got me worried because, you know, normally a child was very lazy in bed in the morning, but I got up early and disappeared for a few hours and coming back hungry. And then my mother asked me, say, well, what did you do every day in the morning? Oh, I was jogging. I know they, they were not convinced, so I told my master. And my master, thought a little while, he said, bring your parents to my boiler room tonight. So I told my parents. They they, they were very surprised because, they, you know, they don't see each other a lot. They don't know too much about this, my master before. 
So they very intuitively brought me to the boiler room and meet my master. And they talked for about two hours. I was kept outside of the room. I was not allowed to get in. So two hours later, they got out very excited, but also a little bit, you know, secret and say, keep on with master. We'll keep secrets for you. So that's how we started. Practice with him. Well, to practice martial art, you have to be very strong at horse stands within the base. So the first practice taught me was horse stands, like a sit, bending the knees, body straight. 20 minutes. I, after three minutes, I begin to shake. The <laughs> <Right? laughs> 20 minutes was like a, for like a punishment forever. Anyway, I finished that. It was like collapsed. And that is my starting practice every day. So I was really quite uh, intimidated for some day. I say, well, can I keep on doing that? And then one day, I, yeah, I went there and began to do my horse dance. And just after a few minutes, I got into the trance. Then I forgot the time. When I come back from my horse dance, my master was very happy because he knows that I went through some crisis. He said, do you know how long you stand there? I said, how long? Four hours. Oh, my. Now, Robert, hold on a second. I want to make sure that our listeners are tracking with you perfectly. So you're standing for four hours. You're calling it horse stance. So your knees are bent. What does the position look like? Well, you stand, your feet a little bit wider than the shoulder. Then you bend the knees. The strict one is 90 degrees, your knees. Then your body is about 90 degrees. So it's like a, a zigzag, a Z. But... Uh, and you're straight. So about several minutes after that, it feels like as if someone is putting an invisible chair under my bottom. So instead of standing there, it feels like you're sitting there. So that's why I feel like I have no effort doing all this for hours of practice. And that gives me very good foundations. At this point, you're like 8, 9, 10 years old? I was eight years old. Eight years old. Okay. Keep going. Tell me what your master taught you next. I can see this whole story like a film as you're describing it, like a movie. Well, it, it is. When you look back, it feels like it's... I, I couldn't understand that I could do that at this time, for, even now for myself. But it's just amazing experience. There's just only one of them. Anyway, that's how it started. Then... Uh, then uh, a couple of years later, the, my master said, boy, you build up very strong strength of your internal power. Well, you can keep on going with martial art. And uh, I teach more in more forms, use different things as weapons, you know, anything in, in the true martial art. You don't have to have sword as a weapon. Anything, chopsticks in your hand, brooms in your hands, or even handkerchief in your hand can all be used as a weapon. So he said, well, I can teach you even more. Well, you know, the the outmost of achievement for this kind of practice is Jet Li. You know, the movie star Jet Li. He won, he won many championships before he went to make movies. And, uh, and that's one 
the track, one track. Another track is um, you use this power internally and doing the healing. As in, well, I can I can teach you either ways, and you can decide. And you think for a few days and tell me. Then I said, no, I don't need a few days. I need it now. I want to do the healing because I know how grateful people are when you are helping them with physical and emotional conditions. Because when I saw how grateful people are were when my master was treating them, I know this is my way of life. Fighting with people is not me. It's not my personal uh, interest. My interest is doing the healing. So um, I said, okay, then in order to purify my energy to make it more concentrated, in a few years later, when he returned to the monastery after the Cultural Revolution, he put me on a water fast for a hundred days at the basement of the temple that is far deep in the mountain. Like I have literally to take uh, eight, like five hours train, then two hours bus, then I have to hike for about eight hours uh, to the monastery. It's deep in the mountain. So uh, for that 100 days water fast is in a dark room. The only light I can see was a lit incense, a lit incense holding in his hands when he visited me every day. We talked in the darkness with that little incense for about an hour, then he will go put the incense in a jar. Another hour, it will disappear. That's the only light I can see for this 100 days. And the first 20 days, uh, I have only three days a day. Dates, the jujube, we say jujube, is Chinese dates, red skin. Mm-hmm. And uh, then afterwards, just water, just water. Well, this is like life experience. Actually, a few lives experience. Because everything I experience, it all goes to extreme. Like, say, for example, I can feel the coldness. The coldness. And to the point that it feel that I'm going to freeze to death. Like, it goes piercing into your bone, deeply into the bone. I think I'm going to die. And as soon as I open my eyes, that feeling disappears. But then it will come again when you reach into that level of meditations. And until you really go through that, then it rewards you with a wonderful feeling of like ecstasies of the warmth coming back. Yeah. Then it will it will never come again when you're doing the meditations. All that kind of sincere sensation of feelings experience, like itchiness, well, it feels like millions of hands are biting you. <laughs> that feeling is horrible, but it rewards with the heaven feeling. So all these kind of feelings, uh, you have to go through it. Then in about two-thirds of the time, uh, for about eight days, my breathing was getting so slow, so slow. You know, normally uh, people breathing is about four times or three times or five times, it depends, a minute. But how about a few times an hour or a few times a day? Hold on a second. You were really only taking breaths a few times a day? Yeah, 
when when it's so slow, just like we call it small death. So literally, you're like a, a, a dead person. No pulse. The pulse is so slow you can hardly feel. No breathing. You know, one one of the way we 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 test the breathing uh, normally is that you put a little tiny feather from the swan, put in front of the nose. If it's moving, that means you're breathing. But no, nothing there. Yeah, so we call it small death. This is this is the critical moment when we say you're changing your body. You're transforming you totally from like inside out. And at this moment, you need some masters who is more powerful to help you to boost the energies to pass through this. Otherwise, the small death will be the big death, the real death, we say. So, so my master for that for that eight days, my master was sitting beside me all the time, all the time. Later he told me anyway. And when I wake up after like eight days, and when I resume all this energy, it just feels like the energy is is filling every tiny holes of my you know of my body. You feel so like rejuvenated, like, like I can jump. Just literally, I can jump on the wall, like on uh, on the wall, because it's just like rolling, like you know, skating on on the tube, and uh, uh, and I feel my fingers just like zapped with the energy. It's like you want to kiss everybody by just touching them. As you touch them and focus, and then people can feel like sort of electric energies going to the energy centers and they, they feel charged, they feel energized and healed. So this kind of power was amplified, especially after uh, this 100 days water fast. And my master warned me, he says, well, you're still very young that needs a very strong base of energies for you, so don't abuse it. Yeah, don't use it until like you're like 30 years old. You're still young. So... I just keep on practicing all different type, kind of techniques after that. And when I um, <clears throat> when I was in uh, high school, my master had given him, gave, me, gave me a request. He said, well, I live in the countryside and I grew up in a monastery and all my students are, are mountaineers. They don't have too much higher education. For you, I don't, I don't care what you're going to major, but you should go to the university. Well, at that time, it was like early 1980s. Going to the university is a huge competition. Like we have in the whole China, at that time we have 2 million people attending the uh, national entrance exam. Maybe only like 5% of them or 10%, less than 10% can be enrolled in the university. But I said, well, I will do that. No problem. <laughs> and I chose English as my major because uh, as soon as I started English in my like primary high school, junior high school, I fell in love with it. So I said, I want to keep on going with my English study. So I attended the university 
major in English and American literature for four years. So, and when I graduated from the university, my dean from my foreign languages department asked me to stay to teach English for science students, which is very special at that time, only for uh, English teachers, because all the other teachers, you should at least have a master degree to teach, you know, bachelors. But we're the bachelors, and then we teach English, <laughs> because English, because of the, you know, cultural revolution, all these years of closing the door in China, uh, foreign languages speakers are very, very rare. So we are only exceptions that you can teach the same level of students of science, students English. And of course, in my four years of college life and also in my six years of teaching English in the university, so for those 10 years, in my spare time, I taught Qigong to my classmates or to my uh, college mates and to my college students. And it got very popular uh, for some time. Then I began to feel doing that in a university was not enough. Uh, I need to have a bigger place to do that. So together with some other colleagues, we went to Hainan, which is an island in the southernmost of China. The size of Hainan is just a little bit smaller than Taiwan, to give you an idea of the size. And it used to be a region of um, of Canton province. But since 1988, you know, Deng Xiaoping, the, the, the Chinese leader, he said, well, we should have some special economic zone. So Hainan is appointed to be one of the special economic zones. Uh, so it's uh, appointed to be an uh, an individual province, and there's a lot of special policies for them, like the investment and anyway, it, it people are freer there. So I said, this is a good place that we can start with this. So we went there, and we did it for about five years, and it was very popular. So within five years, I trained more than 150,000 students just within, within a couple of provinces. Well, in China, it's easy to get a big number, you know, with too many people. <laughs> and uh, among, among my students and, and patients, one of them is um, uh, um, Bob Hawke, you know, the Prime Minister of Australia. And he then he said, well, can you help my daughter? I said, what's happened to your daughter? He said, well, he had nine years of chronic fatigue syndrome. I've never heard this name when I was uh, at that time, but I said, well, let's try. So he flew him, her, to China, and she stayed for about seven weeks, and she was totally recovered. Literally, she looked 10 years younger. So when she returned to Australia, people couldn't recognize her. Yeah, so, of course, her story was published in Witness Weekly and some newspapers, and thousands of phone calls and letters mailed her. So the family said, well, you should come here. Yeah, people, you know, uh, people like it. They want to see the master. But I was so busy at that time. That's in, I think, in uh, 1994. So 
I postponed for about three years until I'm more settled. Then in 1997, I went to Australia. First, I just planned to have a visit to, you know, for about three months. But it was so beautiful. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And I think Sue, you know, the, 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 she, Sue Hawk, she arranged very strategically. Yeah, she... She, she 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 arranged something that I've never experienced for like canyon like sailing in the Sydney harbor and this one more thing really caught me like really grabbed me was that we went to a little restaurant on the uh, on the, on the water at night and then when we when we're waiting for the food there's a bird called a kookaburra they also call it happy bird, happy bird, because it's always quack, 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 very happy, just like an arm away from me. So I tested, I, I, I stretched my arm, and that bird landed in my hand. Maybe you, because in America you don't know how much that meant to me as a Chinese, because in China, wild animals, especially wild bird, are frightened by human beings. People shoot and eat them. So you have a wild bird just in your hand. It's unbelievable to me. Although my master, you know, play with wild birds, can communicate with them, but naturally, they're just beside you, wild one. So to me, it's, whoa, this is a beautiful land. Like people, human beings, and animals, they're sharing the place in such a peaceful way. Yeah. So when it's at the end of the three months, Suhok, she asked me to say, well, how do you like it? Do you like it? Yeah, this is beautiful. It's beautiful. You want to stay? Yes. Okay, let's help you to arrange the visa. So we, she applied for me for four years visa. So I stayed in Australia <laughs> for four years. Then actually I got permanent residence visa for Australia in the end. I just like liking it. And I've never thought at that time I'm going to come to America. So uh, in year 2000, there's another patient from uh, New York uh, visited uh, Australia, and she met me. Then she said, "You should visit. You should go to uh, New York." Okay, so <laughs> I made the trip to, to New York. Well, that's a totally different world from Australia, but it's very charming. The center of the world. So within a short time. I got a lot of uh, attentions and made a lot of friends and patients and students. So uh, at first I planned to go just half-half, Australia, half America. Uh, practically, it's a bit difficult. So in the end, um, uh, I made a home here. And I'm now staying, living in New York City, teaching Qigong, and uh, enjoy my life here. Now, Robert, believe it or not, I want to go back uh, in your biography to this story of the small death you experienced. Uh, yeah. Here you are, eight days, you're barely breathing, your master's sitting at your side. What did he do to bring you out of this experience? How did you come out of it when you did? Well, when when you're in that that small death uh, mm, mm, uh, situations, 
um, it, it's very deeply the things that you you want to shift you shift your body. Shifting body is like uh, it's like you're building a new house on a place. You have to demolish the new the old house and build a new house. And before the new house was built, you have no home. You have no place to stay. So that transitions is very tricky. Well, normally people, they, they, they stay in a friend's home or they put up in a hotel. But if you don't have a place, then you're homeless. So the same as the body, when you transition from one level to the next spiritual level, for some time, there's some crisis. You, your physical conditions are very weak, are very weak. And for yourselves, power, you won't be strong enough to keep it going, keep it going. So my master was just beside me for all those days, working on my energy points, empower them, take care that I am not gone, and go through all this energy meridians points to make sure it is flow steadily or slow. And when it opens up a lot of potential powers, then my own energies will generate to, to make my consciousness back into the, into the position again. Then I begin to wake up. Well, it is, it is waking up, <laughs> really waking up. Yeah. So when you wake up, then you are like totally transformed person. A totally transformed person. So you're no, no longer the same person as before. So you're you're equipped with huge potential energies. When we say potential energies, is because the energy is not from somewhere else. It is your own energy that you are born with. So in my master's words, I say, everybody is a gold mine, meaning we're born rich of energies. But nowadays, for a lot of people, the... Uh, that's his another thing is a lot of people are holding a gold, golden ball, bagging, meaning we assume we are very poor. We're born with so much energy, but we think we don't have enough. We always turn to externally to borrow the energies. We try to have better food. We try to have all these vitamins, all these kind of things. We go to the doctors if we have problems. All these are external things that assistance without knowing that we have tremendous power internally. And of course, to cultivate this internal potential power, uh, we do practice. We do Qigong. Yeah, we do Qigong. So we practice the deep. You have deep cultivations of them. We practice not so deep. You still get benefit of that. So practice Qigong helps us to have everyday a happy day because they give you a good sense of intelligence, good sense of well-being, of emotional balance and vitality. So when energy goes to different energy centers, they give you different functions to serve you better as uh, like a better well-being. Now, Robert, I have this particular fascination, if you will, with this 100-day water fast. And I think part of it is, you know, it's not like you can just go on the web and type 100-day water fast with the Qigong master, 
1,900, you know, it comes from a different place and deep within a tradition. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious, have you ever led any students on such a 100-day experience? Uh, not 100 days. We need about uh, 30 days in Australia. Yeah, not, not 100 days. This, this conditions, it, it's very demanding. It's demanding in many ways. First, you need a lot of time commitment. You need not only from the masters, but also from uh, from the students. And some of them, they go for one week, then they have to go away. Yeah, because of any reasons. One is the fear themselves, and that is that, uh, yeah, the families and everything. So for me, I'm fortunate because I have that chance to go with my masters without interruptions and with support with my family. Uh, but even 30 days is, tremendously powerful experience as it for for any individuals yeah well i i i have no plan but someday when i have you know good conditions i might lead some of my good disciples or students to go through with this uh, which will be will be great and did you have a sense that it was from this small death that your healing abilities really opened up? And if so, how can you explain that, your healing abilities in light of this passage that you went through? Definitely it has very strong connections with this, uh, with this small death. Because my, my master, when he explains the Qigong generally, like the Qigong healings, uh, especially this... Um, this 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 hundred days water fast. They say, well, there's several procedures. One is jing uh, qi in Chinese. We say jing qi means purify your body and purify your energies. That's why we want to do fasting because any food, no matter how nutrients it is, is um, is not enough for you to purify your energies. Yeah, we we have a common Chinese saying, say. Uh, 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 sorry, meaning eating food is not so good as eating qi, you know, the qi. What is qi? Qi is the energy around us all the time. You don't have to walk like 20 miles to get the qi. It is just in your breath, breathing in, breathing out. You get the qi, right? So, so first step is purify your qi. Purify the chi inside your body, inside your meridians, and to this you need fasting. You need to uh, to we say people to get away from the food, solid food, only water. Uh, so after it's purified, the second step is ju qi. Ju qi means concentrate energies. This concentrated energies is based on the purifications because after you puri- uh, the purifications of the energy, the energy along your meridians are moving very smoothly and fast. You know, it, it, it's like how to say it's, 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 it's like nuclear. This is all, always new uh, 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 um, uh, molecules when or, or the traffic's when you have no blockages. The traffic goes so fast, so. This allows your chi to go so smoothly that then anywhere you need, the chi just concentrate over there. It doesn't mean that just concentrate in one place. Say, for example, when we do the demonstrations, we call it hard qigong. You know, I, teach, I call quite a lot of students, they break.
demonstration is not for showing off. It just shows that when your energy is needed, it comes here. When as soon as you know the moment that the marble hit your head, this chi goes there and form an invisible cushion to make it more like more uh, more, more vivid. The invisible cushion to protect you from getting hurt. So, Robert, you're saying I could take a marble and break it against your head? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. I could do that, and I wouldn't hurt you, because you would bring all of this chi to your skull? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the chi, when they flow, when, when, when you, when, when they flow freely, when they flow freely, it goes very fast. As fast as you can imagine, then it's not, it's not breaking. Your head is breaking the model. <laughs> yeah. So... And and also they they they, they travel all, all around your body constantly. Then you form and we call it invisible layer of protections. Uh, they give the name with iron shirt. A lot of people practice iron shirt without knowing it is what it is. The iron shirt is in Western medicine. Part of that is immune system. Another is they really give you. A hot protections of external uh, 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 injuries. Say someone kick you, yeah, you get hurt. But when you have energy protect there, it's like you have you have ten layers of 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 trousers or clothes to protect you. This is how it really feels like. So uh, this kind of guardian chi give you a breathable layer of protections. So you sense the heat but you don't get the the you get, get you don't get burned. You sense the cold, you you don't get, you know, injured by the coldness. So that in one way you're protected, the other way your your awareness of all these different senses are also very sharp. So that, these are all through concentrations of energies and have it flow well. And the third step is bring out the potentiality. So all these gold mines are hidden deep inside when it is purified, when uh, you can concentrate energies and you have very strong drills to make all that gold coming out. That is your potential power. The potential power can be either a healing power, can be the good intelligence or the wisdom or the broad you know, love, energy. Some people just, just you know, just hug the people and give the people healing. So that you present from different personalities of different potential power. Some people are very smart, you know, and very wise. Or some people are very, very healthy, living long lives. All these are all the potentials that you cultivate from inside of us. You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. If you're interested in listening to previous episodes of Insights at the Edge, they're all available for free in a searchable database as part of our new direct access membership program. For more information, please visit soundstrue.com forward slash direct access. And now back to Insights at the Edge.
Now, I need to share something with our listeners, which is it was just a few weeks ago that I visited you in New York and received a Qigong healing from you. And I want to tell everyone just briefly what happened, which is we spent just a little under an hour together, and you worked for a while on my head, and it was kind of like a deep scalp massage, if you will. But then you made like a pointer out of your fingers and pointed your fingers onto different points on the front of my body, beginning with the eyebrows and then on the throat. And while you were at those points between the eyebrow and on the throat, it was almost like a zapper. That's what I felt coming from your fingers. I could even hear the sound of a zapping kind of sound. And it felt like getting a slight electrical shock, like when you put your hands accidentally into like where the toaster plugs in or something like that. It felt like receiving a slight jolt like that. Can you explain what you were doing, actually, and what your explanation is of how that works? Okay. So actually, just how you mentioned zapping, actually, uh, my students or my patients give a nickname of this this special energy called they call it zapping. <laughs> so you're literally using the word. Well, um, first... That energy is is not me because me it, 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 I'm like a transformer. It's just collect all the universal energy and then shoot it from one laser line, and we come back again and say uh, concentrate energy. The concentration of energies makes the difference. You know the light when it's concentrated in one beam, it becomes the laser. So that's the power of how concentrated you can put it once you achieve the level of transforming the chi. So uh, for me, it's, it's like meditations. Well, to tell the truth, I had some gift before I met my master. Like, I have to concentrate for five minutes. Then, then I put down some people, boom, they feel like static electricity. And that's, that's all. And at that time, I, I thought everybody has this, just having fun. I think my master realized that kind of potential gift that she can develop. So when I was following him with all this spiritual, you know, practice, especially after 100 days water fast, he just made this kind of power even sharper and more exposed to my control. Because before I cannot control that. Actually, after that, after the 100 days water fast, I mentioned that I, I feel that in that people, but still I have to concentrate for a long time Focus, no talking, no, for a long time. But it, it's after years of cultivating this. Now I can make it like, it's, it's like a second brain working on that. I can talk with you easily, but meanwhile transform the energies. Looking that I'm not doing too much effort, a lot of work underneath. And when I work, uh, you mentioned that I work on your head. Actually, I work on people's head a lot because that is like a mirror to all your conditions energetically of your body. When you work on your head, it sends all the energies in your, in your organs, your heart, your lung, your kidneys, and begin to adjust that. And meanwhile, when I work on your head and all over the body, it's also the way that we build up the connections of energy. Yeah. So when our energies are connected, it is like we're making a, a, a radio tune so when the tune are connected, you can receive the signals from the radio station, right? 
So when I work on you before really put that powerful zapping energy on you, that is the time we adjust that tunes to make our energy vibrations on the same level. And that's why, you know, when people say, oh, is that me? Is that me? Can you, can you light a bulb with your hands? No, no, no. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. If I can light a bulb, like true electricity, I don't have to practice so hard. <laughs> get the power, get the line, we work. No, it's different. So anyway, so when, when we're connected, then you begin to be a very open to receive my energy. Yeah. Then I begin to work on you between your eyebrows that go straight to the third eye. The third eye uh, in our Qigong's concept is a very big center of energies. They hold tremendous, powerful potential power. A lot, a lot. So when I work over there, they go straight over there, then they begin like peeling out, wrinkles out for you. Your own healing power will be wrinkled out. So they begin to have better self-healing power triggered out. So after days or even weeks or months, it's still wrinkling out. So people, they feel that the, the, the healing, it's keep on going. That is the reason. Yeah. And you remember, I also put my uh, cheese through your fingers. And that's, that's through the meridians because we want to start with the end of the branches of energy. So uh, all the organs, they have connections with the fingers. Like the middle finger is connected with the heart. And uh, uh, the, in, uh, the index is connected with the liver. Well, just make sure, uh, let you know, it's not the same as the, uh, as the acupuncture meridian. We're saying meridian is empower, empowering meridian. It's different from acupuncture. Otherwise, the index fingers for acupuncture is large and transparent. But when I empower the energies through me, the transforming of the universal energies, that boosts your liver energies. And for your thumbs, it boosts through your thumbs and boosts your stomach energy. And ring finger long and little finger the kidneys. So all this, they have the connections with the internal organs. So it's like just blowing them up. And when they are all empowered with energies between the organs, they begin to uh, work together better. You know, nowadays, especially, uh, people, for each individual organs, they might be strong and healthy. But when the, 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 they just don't feel good, the reason is that they are not working in a harmonious ways. It's like A and B. One wants to go to A and go to left, and then B want to go to right. Then for yourself, as a container, you're tortured. So when we work, we want to make all the energy flow in a harmonious way. So the very instant feeling is that you begin to feel more lighter. You feel your breathing is getting deeper. Yeah. For some people, their breathing is shallow. It's always like only chest height or just beneath the neck. They cannot have it go down. And this is very restricted for their cultivations of energy. So I was saying from Lao Tzu, they say, well, uh, ordinary people, they breathe with their chest and immortals, they breathe with their heels. And it doesn't mean that they really breathe with heels. It means that 
when you have the breathing naturally going deeper, a lot of power can be generated by itself. And luckily, we're human beings are born with abilities of health, uh, sorry, of breath. But the thing is that there are hundreds of kinds of breaths to cultivate different kinds of energies. And for ordinary people, maybe there's just two, one, two, three, <laughs> of breathing, which is very limited at uh, making their potential energies, serving them fully. Now, Robert, I'm still curious about something as the Qigong healing practitioner. You said that you transform the qi, that you're doing something as you're working on a client. Mm -hmm. What is it that you're doing inside yourself? Just focus, okay? Focus. Totally surround it. Allow the qi to go through my bai hui, you know, top head on my, uh, in between my two ears on my top head. Yeah, this is the big point that you open to the universal energy. And then another point down is by Hui. It's in, in the base there. Then they connect with Earth Qi. So when you just totally surround, the Qi's begin to be drawn inside you. Then I can use my mind to conduct it to any place of the patients. I can... I, I can point to your third eyes there and allow the chi to go to your liver, it goes to your liver. Allow the chi goes to your heart, it goes to your heart. So it goes freely with the mind. But first you have to just just receive. Receive. Open. Yeah. Of course it's based on uh, a lot of practice so that the connections with the universal energies are are powerful and uh, and efficient, and efficient. Uh, but that's part part of the exercise we we do when we when we retreat. Uh, one of them is very precious practice we call the small heavenly circuit. The small heavenly circuit, uh, some call it micro cosmic orbit, right? And well, you don't know. Actually, this practice is very powerful practice. I have several layers of training my students from the very beginning and to quite advanced because they always circulate and cultivate the energies of the third eyes of different energy centers. Then when they explode, you are very powerful. Now, Robert, I wonder if you could give our listeners right now a taste, if you will, of feeling this good chi in their body right here. So they could even right now just get a feeling, a little taste of what you might be talking about when chi runs through the body in the way that you're describing. We call it nourishing chi. Okay, nourishing chi. Nourishing chi actually is, is opposite to training the chi. With nourishing chi, is like you just let go. Let go. Well, what we do is that you either lying down or sitting down. Lying down is best. And close your eyes. Close your eyes. And begin to be aware of the temperatures, the sound, noises, the soft, you know, the, the, the texture feelings of your bed or chairs. To be aware of this. And I'll be aware of your breathing. And then you begin to 
be aware of inside of your body. Inside of your body. Meanwhile, be aware of the breathing in and out. Now imagine your whole body is like a sponge. In the sponge, you have holes. A sponge soaking in a hot cup, a hot cup. So you're absorbing all this warm water inside of you, the warmth of the chi. So the chi is in me, is in you. And meanwhile, you're soaked in this oceans of the chi. Chi, you are in chi. Chi is in me. I am in chi. Just soaking in this warmth of chi, allow all the energies to seep deeply inside every tiny particles of your body and float like in oceans up and down allow the up and down of the waves of the chi to bring you deep into the ocean. I am in chi, chi is in me. Allow the chi to go deeper and deeper. and smile, and allow the smile to spread like the wrinkles of the water spreading all the way to the horizon. If you can feel some waves of energies in your palms, or some little itchiness or ticklish or pins and needles on your face. It means your energies are connected. Breathe in and breathe out. Beautiful. <laughs> then you take a inhale very deeply. Inside out. Yeah, inhale. Until you like you, you begin to yawn or, or you have tears out. Well, that is very good because when you have tears out, that toxins are coming out from the tears. Just for this, do three to five minutes. You can refresh your energy. It's like reset button. So all the hustleness of the day will be resettled, and it's a beautiful. Uh, we call it nourishing chi, passive ways of practicing chi. And my master, when he was teaching me, said, this is even more important than you practice every day. Yeah, this is the way that you can do it 24 hours a day. <laughs> There's a long story about this anyway. So just have a little taste of uh, how chi very subtly sipping inside of us. No, Robert, I have to say there are so many things that I want to ask you, but I'm going to try to get right to the ones that are the most thrilling to me, which is, you know, you've described how your master was such an amazing figure. And I'm curious if you witnessed 
anything you could share with us that you think really blew your mind? Oh, uh, there's so many, so many. I put some in my, my book, some, uh, some I didn't. But uh, let me tell you one thing. Uh, maybe people, they, they, they won't be able to comprehend this, but that is what I witnessed, which, you know, is truly my, in my, in front of me, is that he can, uh, it was when I was still teenagers, because uh, my master, he has some students, but not a lot. Uh, but one day uh, we were, uh, we all went to the river and he has another two much older disciples than me uh, together. Then, he and the other two disciples carried the carousel, the, 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 that paper umbrella. You know, they have oil on it, like in Japan and China, we use that umbrella. Each of them hold one umbrella, and my master was in the middle. And they walk into the river, and they walk through the river without the water going even above their knees. So, like, just walking over there. He told me, he said, well, when we're walking, you go through the bridge on the other side, then we meet the other side in another hut. So I just literally saw them walking, and while they're walking, they just spin the umbrella. I think that's the only force that holds them, that they can they can do. It's not just bare hand, they have umbrella in their hand, walking through. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. And... Uh, uh, he didn't explain me how this works, but he just said one thing and said, well, when you have the energies up, you know, to, to have energies up on your top, upper dantian means upper electric field, they can make you float like cloud. That's what he explained. So, okay, I want to see if I've got this correctly. So what you're saying is that they crossed a river and the water was actually quite deep. They walked on water, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's very deep because every year people walk, uh, swim across the, the river, and oh, every year some people drown. Yeah, so it's quite deep and wide. It's like more than uh, two hundred meters wide, I think. Yeah. And so you watched these two senior disciples of your master and your master. All three of them walked across the water. The water maybe came up to their knees, but it was quite a bit deeper. What did the carousels or the umbrellas have to do with it? Uh, well, they, they just spin it. They spin. All the time they spin it. I gotcha. Yeah, they spin the umbrellas. So I think the three of them, when they spin, they, 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 they create some sort of floating power. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. Another very funny thing is that he, because he, 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 his practice is so deep that he can... Uh, uh, he, he, he can dis, dislocate his joints. So one day when we went to uh, a friend's home, he was in a very good mood. Then uh, that friend, he has a little child, I think about four years old, and a little son. Then my master said, can I borrow your clothes? Because it's hanging there. He said, yes. Can I put it on? And his father was oh, yeah, <laughs> if you want to try so he just put put one arm in that little, you know, clothes jacket. He can hardly go through his with his hands, but he just, you know, we we go through because then get one, then try the other side, and get one, 
then you button it. Then he looks like, like really like a puppet because all the other parts are normal, but when it comes to the chest, he's shrinked, <laughs> shrinked, and it it is such a funny looking and amazing, amazing experience. Well, later he told me because normally you know between this for us the, the skeletons you, you you cannot control too much. But when you reach to some points, you can, like, dislocate them, like you're folding a stick. A long stick, you can fold it into three parts and put it in a little box. So that's how you can you can, you can do that. Uh, so, well, living with him for so many years, I just, like, I, I'm just amazed at how, how many things he can do. I'm still trying to figure out. At another time, Robert, I'm going to have to talk to you more about some of these. I think I might call them miracle stories because I have to say they amaze me and I love hearing about it. But to end our conversation for today, just one final question, which is what do you think are the most important things that you learned from studying with your master? Not necessarily the most dramatic, but the most important. Actually, you know what is the most important I learned from him is the happiness, is to be a happy person. You know, he he was a senior monk in a monastery all his life. He's never been out. And then he was driven out of the monastery and found a, you know, a humble job, very low-paid job. as He has a million reasons to be angry, to be depressed, to be very, you know, very ironical. But He's just always smiling, always very grateful. Each time when he eats something, he is he was just overjoyed at every mouthful, at anything he can put in the mouth. I, I yeah, that's what I learned from when I'm beside him. It's just like he is such a joy himself. The whole of him, every tiny piece of him, is joy. And. I think I get 10% from him to be a joyful person. It doesn't mean necessarily how powerful you should be and how, uh, you know, how, how, how great a healer is. You can be a good healer of yourself just to be joy, to, be, to appreciate every moment. And sometimes, you know, you just go there, close his eyes, breathe in, breathe out for two hours, no interruptions, and his smile, you can see how enjoyable he was at that moment. So the simple breathing for him is like a huge feast. <laughs> That's what I learned most powerfully or most influentially to me rather than hundreds of practices taught me. It's the attitude towards this mother universe of energies. Beautiful. I've been speaking with Robert Peng, Qigong master and teacher. Robert will be at Sounds True's annual Wake Up Festival, August 14th through the 18th in 2013 in Estes Park, Colorado. He's offering a two-day pre-festival intensive on Qigong empowerment. And then at the Wake Up Festival, he'll be teaching Happiness Qigong, Harmony Qigong, and Guardian Qigong. And really, it is such a treasure Robert, to be able to have a chance to be with you and to study with you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Danny. Soundstrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>